0: Hello, welcome back to Why Did Peter Sink? This is called What Could Possibly Fit in This God-Shaped Hole in My Heart. This is part 26 of a series of Why I'm Catholic, Whole, Both Body and Soul. As much as I tried to pretend there wasn't one, there is a God-shaped hole in my heart. There simply is no answer that philosophy or theory or modern science or socialism or witchcraft or astrology, or Buddhism, or beer can offer that fills this God-shaped hole in the heart. There's only a person that can fill that hole. Three persons, really. Um, the problem and the solution are both odd. Now, in the last post, I talked about our need for certainty and the, quote, secret knowledge that is often on offer for us. But most secret knowledge rejects God and the source of all Pain and suffering is also X'd out, and that is sin. This problem of pain and suffering in the world is the all time number one driver of sending people into the arms of ideologies offering solutions, but they are all fool's gold. They offer all the answers on paper, but when put into practice, cause far more issues than they solve. We don't need to make sense of every last thing once we come to rest in faith, we don't need every last answer. Continuing to pursue the goals of reason still go on and we want to alleviate and work toward the end of suffering in the world, but we don't salivate and lust for the answers to everything, for them to come to fill in the big picture and bring about the earthly utopia because we already have the answer. Uh, Via the Holy Spirit, we already know the ending. We get certainty through God's will, not through our own. The best part of this is that we don't have to know all the answers any longer because God knows. What's odd about this whole surrender to win idea that I talk about quite a bit is that we get certainty by inheritance from God. And while we don't know God's will, we know he is good and loving and alive in this world and that in the end, he wins. Even the progressives like to say things like love wins and they are correct, just not in the way that they think. Because yes, love wins in the end because God is love and God wins. Um, When you surrender to God, you win because he wins. And when you surrender, you are suddenly on the winning team and you just follow God's lead. You no longer feel angry about the rules because you bask in his love and try to conform your will to his. So sure, surrender means imposing limits on the self, but paradoxically, this brings ultimate freedom because you no longer have the bondage of self and the onslaught of desires to contend with. You hand over the desires to God, offer them up, because those thoughts never brought peace, only problems. And he takes all the, pra- all the problems away if you ask. So when you offer yourself up to him, he blesses you just as you bless God with your life and actions. And rest assured, your prayers will not be answered in the way you quite think they will. Um, when you fight against God, well, he wins. You might say, that when you are disobedient, he kneels you. Um, You cannot fight with God forever. You can certainly wrestle with him, but eventually it becomes exhausting. There's no idea or argument or award or pleasurable activity in this world that could provide what I was seeking. So in the end, no intellectual pursuit came close to a solution, and it wasn't for lack of effort. The left and the right side of politics do absolutely nothing to solve this spiritual problem. They just give us all an excuse to kick the can down the road to avoid this big question, the biggest question. Neither side will solve the ultimate problems or bring about any lasting peace. They are mirrors of the same restless mania trying to win in Washington just as professors and theologians and pundits are trying to win our hearts and minds by reason in universities. The, the reality of politics can be seen in the online hellscape of continuous wrath. Wrath is everywhere. You have to read Dante. If you read Dante, you will see the the internet, social media everywhere in there. Um, the millions of people squabbling think that rooting for their side gives them a sense of control, while their interior lives and personal relationships are in disarray. So this des- desire for certainty and control is rampant today, particularly because a society of people that have every physical need satisfied now looks to satisfy spiritual needs but in the wrong places the partisan politics it's just an escape it's just like drinking um it's just like uh competition in sports it's an escape from the self for those that cannot surrender to god and find peace and because we want answers we try to find it in competition which is politics and sports so like drinking and sex politics and sports provides this escape for those who suspect that they are lost but don't want to admit it and they want to keep willing their way to heaven if you want if you want to call it that. So what I didn't see coming is that faith exceeds reason which I've talked about in prior episodes a bit. We've we've spent hundreds of years trying to tell ourselves that reason exceeds faith. Parti- partially Due to the great leaps of science, but also because of the failures of those who profess faith to emulate Christ in their lives. But I am convinced that we must lead with faith over reason. Yet it's difficult to tell anyone that today unless they have made the turn to God themselves. That's an easy conversation. It's a difficult conversation when someone's turned away. All of the other ideas and sciences and ideologies fail simply because they cannot solve this primary foundational problem. Science and ideologies are the wrong tool, the wrong material, the wrong instructions. Um, What is not, quote, born of the spirit cannot fix spiritual problems. Uh, Ideas may guide us toward behavior and doing good actions in this world, but they cannot bring about the interior conversion of the heart that Jesus can bring. And they may highlight our sins as they should, and guide us toward God, but they cannot sustain us because they purposefully try to pretend God doesn't exist. Um, I'm a a lover of science when it's doing what it should, which is explain the material world, tell us how things work, um, tell us how the heavens go, not how to go to heaven. Having tried and sampled these alternative worldviews, particularly the ones without God, I found that the Christian worldview is the only one that makes sense and the only one that works in practice for the same reasons that Dorothy Day discovered. Uh, I went down the other road only to find Jesus at the end of it, but it's not only Dorothy Day that found faith in this unexpected way. Uh, G.K. Chesterton is another one, and St. Augustine are two others who had a great gift for articulating this path to the faith. And they too found what Dorothy Day did. They came to accept one truth that makes all other arguments moot, just as... Billions, really, of other people have done as well. The problem with Christianity, with Catholicism, is if you are doing battle with it in your mind and trying to knock it down, is not that it has the best argument. The thing is, if you come to know Christ, it is the only argument that fills the God-shaped hole in your heart. Nothing else makes sense once Jesus enters your life, because somehow he makes complete and total sense of everything From the past the present the future as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever and this is extremely annoying to the people who haven't experienced it as it was to me Um, i would argue because i'm biased now that uh, christianity is the best argument of all for living real life and in order to appreciate the physical realities and emotional struggles of this world that seem to have um no explanation or um they're difficult you must assent to the spiritual mysteries beyond this universe that cannot be explained. So like any good convert, I now love looking for connections in the Old Testament. I enjoy spiritual reading, and, and why not looking for references that lead to the cross? Because they are there once you start to see the scriptures open up in that way. Um, but that alone is not the cause of belief. Um, It's not the arguments made on paper in the end. I can't pile up enough evidence and suddenly turn on the light of faith. That's not how it works. I believe that Christianity is the best argument, not because of the Gospels or the surrounding Old Testament and letters of St. Paul or the tradition of the Church Fathers or the history of the saints. Now, those provide compelling evidence, but they can also turn people away depending on how you read them. So if you think about it, all of those texts, aside from the Old Testament and stories, did not exist when Jesus was first resurrected. So there were no gospels, no letters from Paul, no writings of the saints, no great books like The Imitation of Christ. Furthermore, in the very beginning, very few people could even read. And if they were lucky, they heard someone read from the scrolls from time to time, like in the book of Ezra, where they crack open the scrolls or the Pharisees are reading the scrolls in the synagogues, but most people were not reading the scrolls. They couldn't read. They didn't have paper. We didn't have a printing press. Um, in my post-conversion life, I am all in on reading the Bible as God's word from cover to cover, but I didn't arrive at that belief through argument or decision alone or the the scrolls, if you want to call it that. And none of the first Christians, not a single one had anything beyond the scriptures of the Old Testament to base their belief In Christ as the Messiah, upon. There was nothing written down in the form of a gospel for a little while, for some years. Um, The letters of Paul are said to have been written first, and we can see vibrant communities springing up all over, and they have no gospels to read in the church yet. So there were no scrolls to unravel and read, no cross referenced Bibles, no study guides, no catechism. There was only word of mouth and the power of his name, of Jesus' name. So the founder of the religion, he wrote nothing down. Um, Jesus wrote nothing down himself. Something lit his followers on fire in a way that cannot be described. And I would say that the event cannot cannot be repeated. Um, But that would be false to say that. The same fire springs up daily all over the world. Um, it has never stopped catching fire since that day in the upper room when the apostles were baptized by the tongues of fire seven weeks after the death of Jesus, the day of Pentecost. So I, re- I arrived at that belief in Jesus Christ, the person, the fully human and fully divine being that walked the earth and who I believe is still among us in the form of the Holy Spirit, which he promised to send. The problem with Christ if, is that if this thing called God calls you, then life is never the same. And that is how the argument keeps winning, if you want to call it that. I don't think of it as winning. I think of it as changing you. But life cannot be the same once the fire starts because nothing looks, smells, tastes, or feels like it did before. Um, This is not like stumbling across a good book that brings awareness to some fact of the world, some injustice, um, some unfairness. This is being jolted to life spiritually and having a new life infused into you. And when your soul is brought back to life, it starts drinking from the vine of God, chugging grace like a college student at spring break, because there it is. There's the life, the living water. Uh, And one warning, this rebirth can be painful initially, like physical birth. So pace yourself, don't drink too fast, Um, drink one water for every wine, Yeah, and don't bong it like uh, spring break. Okay. The reality of this power of Jesus, the person, is told by time itself. Um, The last 2,000 years, is there's the story. It's it's in every century, this drama unfolding. It cannot be ignored or denied. You may argue about Christians misusing Jesus' name, and you can argue definitely about the devil quoting scripture for his own purposes, and I would agree with you in some of those arguments. But the fact is this. Um, The Catholic faith, the Christian religion would have died long ago if it were only a good argument. There have been many good ideas throughout history, but we don't build cathedrals for those ideas. Um, I don't think there's any um, cathedrals to Ptolemy's cosmological model or some of the medieval crystal ideas of what was how the heavens were formed. Uh, But we do build jaw-dropping churches that produce no economic output whatsoever, so that we can worship a man, a poor construction worker, who died with nothing naked on a cross. So putting the idea of truth aside for a moment, if an idea or argument doesn't win hearts and minds, it cannot last. So clearly there is a good argument in the life of Christ, uh, if uh, and, and as Christ as the incarnate God, fully divine, fully human. If it was total nonsense, it would not have lasted. But there is something greater than just the words of an argument. Uh, There are many good books and models on how to live life. In fact, uh, one of the best ones would be Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, who wrote his um, the Stoic uh, philosophy, a great book on how to live life. Uh, But there is no one tithing to the Marcus Aurelius Society today or handing out pamphlets at the airport about why you should give your life to Marcus Aurelius, um, Christianity is not just a series of arguments. Jesus, the person, is the argument. So a quote in from Acts of the Apostles from a rabbi named Gamaliel is telling, because here's a Jewish leader um, telling his fellows just to let this Christian fad kind of play out. He's treating it like the fidget spinner of the moment. Why? Why would he say that? Well, because he's wise. That's why. He knows that a cause will die out on its own if it's not from God. So in in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, Gamaliel refers to some forgotten movement started by a guy named Theudas or Theutis. I don't know how to say it. And he says, but this Theudas was killed and all of his followers were dispersed and it all came to nothing. So Gamaliel urges his peers to let this Christian novelty play out kind of like how rolling your jeans or wearing Zubaz pants and hyper-color shirts bloomed and faded in the 1990s. For a modern reference, I use fidget spinner, but um, Zubaz pants and hyper-color shirts were not from God, and so they both died out. And both were hideous, actually, um, when you look back at pictures. Um, for something more recent, yes, consider fidget spinners or Crocs or Healy shoes. Gamaliel said of these these wacky apostles of Jesus, he said, "If their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail, but if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. He knew that it was if it was not from God, it would just fade away, but it didn't, and that is also why it never dies because it's more than an argument, it's more than a feeling, it's more than a fad, it's not from this world. The Holy Spirit is not of human origin." The truth that Christ represents cannot be rebutted or refuted. Once the Spirit turns a non-believer into a believer, there's no turning back on the second conversion or the rebirth spoken of by Jesus to Nicodemus in John chapter three. And this is why the Apostle Peter states the famous line, saying what everyone knows who has come to put their entire life and trust in Jesus. And in John chapter six, Jesus asks Peter and the uh, and the apostles if they will leave him, and Peter replies. In my favorite line of all the Gospels, to whom else would we go? So after Jesus gives his bread of life discourse, people are leaving him because he's saying, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. People are like, this is a hard saying. And Jesus asks if, if Peter and the others will leave him. And Peter says, to whom else would we go? To whom else would I go? And I say the same thing. To whom else would I go? That is the billion dollar question. Uh, Peter is is basically saying, I've found what fits into this giant, gaping, God-shaped hole in my heart, so I'm done looking. And sometimes I wonder why I took so long to get to where Peter is at this statement. Because it's kind of like I was wandering around the beauty of creation, seeing all these amazing things every day, everywhere I go, in everyone's face, yet I was pouring liquor in my mouth saying... I wonder what could possibly fit this enormous void in my life and how strange it all is in hindsight, because when I'm hungry, I eat food. When I'm thirsty, I drink water. But when I was yearning for God, I looked everywhere else. I tried it all, all of it, everything. I have a list of all the things I've tried in some of my other posts, and it's, it's, it's hilarious now because I was looking for God the whole time. And that's what I think a lot of people are seeking but we're just so stubborn. We don't want to do that. So for the converted, the same answer applies to whom else would I go? And once you land on the truth of Jesus, you realize that you are done looking you're done and you have rest. You have peace. There is love. There is certainty. There's still going to be suffering. That's not going to change, but it's more how you see the suffering was what changes. You see the cross and you see someone who never had any sin suffering immensely you see his mother suffering you see the apostles suffering and they will never let it go because to whom else would they go to whom else would i go and that is the answer to why faith overrides reason for believers and that is also the reason the religion this organized religion called catholicism does not die because those who believe know that there is nowhere else to go unfortunately the actions of many believers can drive others away But I urge you, don't let it. Don't make the awful trade to give up God because of what some other human being did. Because yes, there are crazy Christians, there's crazy Catholics, crazy Protestants, crazy Muslims, crazy Jews, crazy atheists. But there are crazy people in all walks of life and in every political party and ideology. So don't lock yourself out of God just because your uncle or coworker is a bad example. And always recall that Jesus Jesus hated hypocrites as much as you do. And he actually hung out. He preferred the prostitutes and tax collectors, sinners. And the key is recognizing that you are a prostitute and a tax collector. You are a sinner. I don't care who you are, how squeaky clean you think you are. The stubbornness of believers does produce a maddening state for those on the other side of the fence. And I realize that when you are an atheist or agnostic... Um, it's super hard and non-believers, they come with their wares offering pleasure in this life, um, a life free from the guilt of sin, but whatever they are selling, whatever they're really going after is second best. Um, it's not the bread of life. It's like day old bread. Jesus is the bread of life, the fresh bread, you know, the living water, the vine. There's no person or idea or argument that can replace him. The most difficult thing is making sense of this to other people who think you have lost your marbles because um, they won't understand it unless they are turned by the Spirit or if they're ready. Uh, A lot of times it, it takes 20, 30, 40 years. I think people turning back to the faith now are having stronger conversions because it doesn't feel forced, because it cannot be forced. It's a gift, and it does not come to everyone, and not everyone will cooperate with God's grace to do it. I certainly wouldn't. Um, I fought it as much as I could. Um, But if you're like Peter, uh, he knows that no other person or ideology can fill the void in him. So his answer speaks the full truth. To whom else would I go? He's already looked everywhere else. He may not know exactly how Jesus is God, but he knows that Jesus is God. And that's all that matters. Um, That alone is the entire argument, the person. No PowerPoint presentation needed, no notes, no talking points, no objection handling. The Apostles' Creed sums up the entirety of the faith, really, the tradition, the beliefs, and the reasons why um, those words can't bring the Spirit, but it's the best summary of what people believe. So if if I'm sometimes approaching, what is your reason for believing? Of course, I've written all this stuff on this site, but um, a lot of times you can't articulate why because... It's, it's too hard to describe. It's the mystery. Now, there are many followers today, even if they don't realize it, who follow the ideas of Nietzsche or Karl Marx or Michel Foucault or Richard Dawkins. Um, they are the modern version of the followers of Theudas uh, in Acts of the Apostles, who Gamaliel said, yeah, it'll, it'll just fade away. Um, in another hundred years, Those names I just mentioned will probably not be mentioned as much, maybe a little bit, but there will be new names. There'll be new ideologies, there'll be new quirks, there'll be new fads, and who will be argued about alongside those new names? It will be the same name, Jesus, and he will still be known by all, and he will still baffle thinkers and anger intellectuals and simultaneously bring joy to billions of simpletons like me. Everything else is a replay, really. Um, Jesus is the one truth, the original. He's God, the creator, the incarnate God. Everything else we've seen before. We've seen these shows. They're reruns. Um, The new academic arguments are not really new if you go back and read the Greek um, philosophers and, and other cultures. A lot of these, the latest theories and ways of looking at the world have already been tried, and they've been found wanting. And that's why... They are discarded only to be picked up and renamed and repurposed and repackaged. But we will try them again. And again, um, we insist on it because we must attempt to define our universe and our destiny in terms, in human terms and to take control, to grasp the fruit, um, to try to fill the God-shaped hole in our heart with something else. Every generation yearns to be free of God and every generation fails and returns to God. And we will again. I have no doubt about this. Um, no matter what they try to do to stifle it, the truth of God is in our heart. The God-shaped hole in our heart cannot be talked away or um, explained away. There's only one thing that fits in it, just like food and water are the only things that satisfy hunger and thirst. So the reality is this. These ideal, these ideas from some of these thinkers right now, where they're really shunning God or rejecting him, they've been dug out of the old freezer Kind of like a woolly mammoth and thought out, and then repackaged with new branding, kind of like what happened with, um, actually, yeah, consumer applesauce over the last twenty years. Where, just to give an example, I, I shouldn't have thrown the mammoth metaphor in there, applesauce. So applesauce manufacturers swapped out clumsy jars for single-serving squeezy packs. Um, consumer sales skyrocketed because the squeeze packs were fun for kids and perfect for school lunch boxes. But regardless of the delivery, when applesauce reaches your mouth, it's still just applesauce. So yes, the container may have a D- Disney character or a QR code with a chance to win, but it's still the same applesauce that came in the dirty, the jars that would get all nasty. The container doesn't change the substance. Um, The payload is still apple slurry goo, and and it's the same as it was in the old jar. Uh, The same happens with many repackaged rebellions against God. We can call it paganism, or atheism, or positivism, or epicureanism, or stoicism, or jainism, or humanism, or wokeism, Uh, but it's all the same. It's, It's the same applesauce. And... Because all these ideas ideas all reject the idea of one true God, a most high God. And that is why all of these things eventually grow tasteless and we set them aside. And worse, worse, actually, unlike applesauce, these rebellions contain nothing nourishing for the body or the soul. So you actually get more out of applesauce than you do out of like atheism or um, or positivism or humanism. You know, Each generation tries to convince itself that this time the idea is something different. The ancient people already saw all of the things we are seeing today. They just didn't have a TV or phone to watch it on. Uh, in our desperate efforts to be powerful or cool, we all become weak and lame. And I learned the hard way that the boring way of life is not the pursuit of faith and holiness. The ultimate boring way of life is this constant search for something This constant rebellion against God, this rage against the machine, Um, the band from the '90s—I mean, they were—they were—they were were raging against life, the machine, everything. And of course, I love some of their songs, but uh, life in Jesus just looks boring. But it is the one source of true, authentic joy, peace, rest. He remains through all of these generations like a rock, a solid foundation of unending hope. He is unchanged and unfazed. While the self-exalting, educated classes of each generation and the wealthy classes, the powerful people, um, they, they live and die over and over again, falling over themselves, jockeying for position like toddlers in an unsupervised daycare center. Um, there's a different type of knowledge in Jesus that exceeds all of the learning of the great philosophers and political thinkers and military leaders and scientists of human history. So despite numerous attempts to crush the faith, it returns this is not disputable. It happens. You see it in every century, in every age. Faith in Jesus may die in one place, but it grows elsewhere, like, like magic, almost as if there was some kind of Holy Spirit bringing it to people around the world, almost as if everyone had a God-shaped hole in their heart, and they're trying to fill it with something, and those some places seem to find it, and the answer with what fills it is God. Um, like dandelions in our American yards— Especially where I live in Minnesota, homeowners try in vain to kill this unwanted weed every year, every year. And it's kind of a cycle of madness in a way because the dandelion cannot be killed. For even if you kill the local dandelions or a million dandelions in your entire neighborhood, the seeds have already spread far and wide. And the minute you stop killing the plants, the dandelions, uh, within a year or two, the dandelions will have returned in full. So you have to constantly be killing it. You have to constantly be um, stuffing something into this God shaped hole in your heart. And the minute you actually let it try to figure out what goes in there, you'll figure out, Oh, it's God. And then you can stop trying to kill it. But the idea cannot be killed because it's, it's in us like hunger or thirst. It cannot, it can be stifled. And those who have the idea can be even murdered or silenced or told to shut up and not talk about in school or work. But the idea of Jesus is something that cannot be contained or stopped. Um, In the 20th century, communism and fascism killed well over 100 million people. Um, Many of those killed were Christians. Many, many, many. There's more martyrs in the 20th century of the faith than every century before it. And yet the life of Christ still inspires people and draws them back. So like St. Therese of Lisieux, the 24-year-old, she only lived till she was 24. The amazing St. Therese said to Jesus, Quoting Song of Songs, draw me and we will run. This rebirth in faith comes from something beyond our understanding. It brings a complete and sincere adherence to Christ out of joy, not by argument or coercion. God only needs to call his followers and they come. How does that happen? Well, I don't really know, but it happens. But now I don't need to know every detail on this. The the mysteries I place into God's hands. Um, The divine mercy image of the divine mercy chaplet, people say it at three o'clock every day in the church, has the quote, Jesus, I trust in you. That's it. That's like one of these mini prayers I like to talk about all the time, like come Holy Spirit, Um, Jesus, I trust in you. That is the cure. And I am more interested in the idea of religious truth, um, since that is what the Bible speaks most to me. And it's, e- and it's easy to forget that if I forget to trust in God, um, then I will uh, I will basically be looking to fill that God-shaped hole with something else again. Uh, I'm more interested in the mystery of interior conversion, daily conversion to God, because that is the part of Christianity that I missed when learning about the faith growing up. And based on how many people in recovery meetings or for addiction talk about how they formally understood God, a lot of people like me missed the whole idea of, of interior conversion because we are looking at our uncle that offends us or some person who said something mean and we're trading god for some crappy ideology god doesn't need to make lengthy arguments or offer worldly incentives to us um kind of to wrap this up even those who don't believe can just utter the words draw me we will run or say come holy spirit you know Uh, I always think that's the best prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Um, And the movement toward faith can begin. It's so simple that it seems absurd to those who don't believe. Uh, The seed of faith is planted where it is wanted and requested. So you can ask for it. Sometimes it's planted when you don't want it. And often, um, yeah, often it's planted where it's unwanted and unrequested. And yet it grows and you can't avoid it. You can't avoid the truth of seeing Jesus as the incarnate God. And for some of us, we seem to have no choice in the matter. Really, that kind of was the case for me. Um, Other man-made ideas like feudalism or positivism or communism or humanism, they have to be propped up with tremendous effort, like NFL marketing or NBA marketing. But as soon as the driving force falters, the energy fades and the movement dies. Like, There's so much marketing needed for everything else except for Jesus, because he kind of does it for you. He inspires people. He brings them to life. With Jesus, the energy continues. It's always sustained because it does not come from man. The energy comes from God because he is the vine. He is the living water. He's the bread of life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Thanks for, li- thanks for listening, everyone. A um, few more in this series. Hope you're enjoying it, and I will be back soon with another episode.